This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in Melbourne's CBD. Today's big question, is there a spiritual dimension? My guest today is Julia Pope. Julia is Melbourne born and bred and has worked for numbers of years with churches and faith communities around Melbourne. And she joins me now. Please welcome Julia Pope. (laughs) Julia, welcome to Bigger Questions. Thank you. It's great to be here. That's good. That's good. Now, to kick off Bigger Questions, we like to ask a couple of smaller questions. We do try to have a bit of fun on the show. Today, we're talking with Julia Pope about if there is a spiritual dimension. Now, so Julia, our smaller questions to you today are, how well do you know ghosts? Um, <laughs> now, do you feel qualified at all? Uh, no. I, I mean, there's a line that comes to mind from a, a movie where it says, I see dead people. Okay. Is that... Just, is hold, that... The, just hold that. Hold that thought. Okay. <laughs> Question one. There's two questions, both multiple choice. Question one. The Harry Potter books and movies by J.K. Rowling are fantasy books which explore the world of magic, ghosts and spirits. Which of the following is a quote from the Harry Potter series of movies? Was it A, I ain't afraid of no ghost? Was it B, I see dead people? Was it C, there is no such thing as magic? Or D, when the music stops, you'll see him in the mirror standing behind you. So which of these was a quote from the Harry Potter set of movies? Can we put it to the audience? Uh, (laughs) D. You're going to go with D. Maybe you want to try one of the earlier ones, (laughs) just so that you don't start off badly. Um, Because the correct answer is actually C. Um, it's, a, it's a slightly tricky question because they're, they're the words on the lips of Harry's sceptical uncle, ah, Vernon, who you. says that there is no such thing as magic. Because uh, A, I ain't afraid of no ghost is from... Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, that's right. B is I see dead people is from... I don't even remember. <laughs> it's from um, The Sixth Sense. That's, thank you. Um, and then the final one, D, when the music stops, you'll see him in the mirror standing behind you, was from The Conjuring. Do you have a favourite film involving ghosts? Or the spiritual dimension? There's a movie called Ghost. That, <laughs> yeah. was, that was quite you interesting and fun. Whoopi, yeah. uh, Whoopi Goldberg's great. Yes. As uh, being the medium. Yes. So she's a classic. Yeah. So that that's it. probably a good one. Okay. Well, question two. It's not actually about any movie, so we're not moving on. Um, question two. According to a sci-fi supernatural study conducted in 2014, what percentage of Australians claimed to believe in ghosts and spirits? Was it A... Most Australians are hardened sceptics and don't believe in a spiritual dimension. Is it B, 25%, C, 50%, or D, 95%? Most Australians claim to believe in ghosts and spirits. Maybe B? Or maybe... (laughs) Try try another one in the (laughs) middle. Try try another one in the middle. C, yes, that's right. Yes, congratulations. Yeah, it is. C, 50%. Yeah, so interestingly, the survey said that 50% of Australians believed in ghosts and spirits. Uh, the survey also suggested that 42% believed in UFOs and 36% believed in angels communicating with the dead. So perhaps our society is a little less sceptical than some would have us think. So, Julia, in our smaller questions, because you, you nearly got you nearly got one right, <laughs> so please give, give Julia a big round of applause. <laughs> 
Now, Julia, we're talking about whether there is a spiritual dimension, a plane of existence beyond the material world. Mm. Now, Julia, you grew up in a non-religious home like half of Australians who don't believe in a spiritual dimension at all. Can you tell us about your life growing up? So I grew up in a family with an older brother and uh, mum and dad, which in some ways is unusual these days. And I just grew up in a, a family where my, my parents were quite cultured and musicians and academics and loved, you know, loved learning and, and discovering all sorts of different cultures and understandings. But I guess in terms of any sort of belief system, System or, you know, a sense of God or religion, there was absolutely nothing mm -hmm. um, in there. They just believed that you live a good life, you, you know, contribute well to society. You get, uh, when you die, you get buried in the ground, that's it. So you never went to church or anything like no. that as a family? I no. Um, so they were kind of what happily non-religious. Would that be a way of describing? Yeah, them? absolutely. Yeah. yeah, they were. They weren't antagonistic towards anyone's. You know, they they certainly were very. Um, I guess it wasn't even a conversation. But I I certainly didn't get any sense of them being negative towards religion mm -hmm. or spirituality. It just wasn't for them. Yeah, you never really thought or talked about spiritual things at all. No. Yeah, okay. No. But you did do some religious instruction at school. I did, what, Did yes. that mean much to you? No. <laughs> I was, the funny part that I remember about that was I, I had the ability to memorise because I'd always remember songs and probably things that were completely useless in some ways with school, but I'd, I'd memorise them and, and the, um, the person who was leading this religious instruction would say, if you can remember this scripture I imagine they were scriptures you know come back and recite them you'll get a lolly and a sticker and I was like yes lolly sticker so I'd memorize them and come back but it didn't again it was just words on a piece of paper or yeah it I mean I could recite them but I didn't know what they meant right yeah but you got the lolly I did I did <laughs> yes. I, I did really well I think I got lots of stickers too <laughs> probably Jesus loves you or something you know one of those kind of stickers yeah. I reckon so what were you feeling then about spiritual things in your early teenage years? I, I mean, it's interesting when you hit your teenage years, there's a whole lot of things that start start happening. And, and one was for me that I, I guess I really felt like I was questioning or started to question the premise that everything that I could see, everything that, you know, was rational and understood, that, that was it, that was life. And, and I mean, there's nothing wrong about saying, you know, live a good life and, you know, contribute well to community and society. But I just, I guess I started asking other, other questions. Bigger questions, perhaps. Yeah, bigger <laughs> questions in my teenage years because I was, you know, I think, I think there was something in me that, that wasn't satisfied that, the premise that my my family of origin had given to me, which was you know that there isn't anything else, um, it didn't. It just felt a little lacking. I just I just felt like maybe there was something more. So you became a bit <laughs> curious, perhaps, into this spiritual or to, to other things, uh, and then you, your friends started dabbling in the occult. Yeah. So what was your experience there? What what, what happened in the initial t in the initial times? So I mean, it's a funny story because you know we're um, a bunch of fourteen. -year old so that gives you an idea of the kind of age and stage and I think there's things like the occult or, or witchcrafts or one particular night we we all decide I don't know who started it but someone decided to 
um, get out a scrubble board and make it into a Ouija board and, uh, you know, we'll contact the dead and um, all these all these kind of, you know, really interesting words that you use. And, so you thought this um, was kind of a good idea? Well, I think, I think it just, it's pure. It's like that sort of, oh, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Um, and, and none of us were really that. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, there was certainly a whole lot of very light-hearted humour and stupidity mm. about it, really. Really, as 14-year-olds, you're like, oh, yeah, sure, okay, let's do this. And so you didn't really think that you could see dead people? <laughs> no, <laughs> or that it was actually going to work. Yeah. I, you know, it's like, yeah, sure, you know, there's, yeah. So what happened? Basically, um, we, were, we were mucking around and then... Um, I, I guess the only way of describing it is that something something did start happening in that, you know, even the... There's a sense that something in the, the whole environment started to change and we were, you know, went from being really silly, stupid, humorous, laughter to, I guess, just feeling a little bit more like, oh, this is a bit weird. Um, and, uh, and, and then there was a sense that... Um, you know, I mean, you know, the idea is you all stick your finger on the on the glass and it moves around, and lots of people would say, "Oh, well, you know, someone's moving it." Um, but there was a point, and and again, you know, this is up for discussion and debate. Um, I can only tell you as it was, and I wasn't on drugs, and I wasn't, um, you know, intoxicated on alcohol. But we took our finger off the the board at one point because it was spelling out things, and someone was um, quite disturbed by that because they were names and and things that this this person somehow related to, um, and the the glass kept moving, <laughs> which is where you go. Okay, well that's really that's I mean unless someone's got an invisible string, um, gee, pretty elaborate hoax if if that's the case, um, and ended up smashing the glass ended up smashing and that at that point that was where we all fled um, I just remember screaming or, or a whole lot of people screaming running outside because somehow if you get out of the space that I guess makes it okay it'll all go away um, and yeah just just like that adrenaline rush and you know like like anything that you've just completely throws you so you were doing this thing just harmless fun initially <laughs> Playing this glass, this glass started moving by itself and yeah. then smashes. Like, yeah. How do you how do you react to that? <laughs> um, yeah, it certainly threw me because I I mean I I'm I'm a person who asks lots of questions and is quite sceptical. I mean I would have said in answer to that percentage of Australians that believe in supernatural or something five percent. Yeah. Because I'm just like nah surely, um, I, but. Curiosity. I'm a very curious person too, so I think that's it's, it's a good thing, but it gets you in a lot of trouble. Um, and I, I was curious. I think I suddenly something had happened that was not um, was very different to what I believed about um, life or or the world. Now again, you could explain it all away by by various things, but my curiosity got the better mm, of me, and mm. I thought, you know, maybe there is actually 
some so, other dimension, some other, you know, possibility of, of life. And mm. yeah, it fueled my it fueled my fire for exploring more mm. and wanting to We'll talk about your journey a bit in a moment. But according to the Skeptic Dictionary, tests <laughs> by psychologists have demonstrated that many phenomena attributed to spiritual or paranormal forces are actually due to ideomotor action where honest intelligent people can consciously engage in muscular activity that is consistent with their expectations so when people play the Ouija board they know in advance what they're supposed to do mm. so what was what happened something you were expecting no not at all I, I, I would have thought that it would just be you know just silly and someone's moving it and you spell out some you know some word and I mean if you spell out Mary or John people go oh yeah yeah, I know a Mary, I know a John. Mm. Yeah, so no, wasn't at all what I was expecting. And that's, again, what, what just completely threw me. Mm. So, again, Carrie Popper in a TED talk entitled mm. A Scientific Approach to the Paranormal has done scores of investigations yeah. into the claims of the spiritual dimension. She says that the truth is 10 times out of 10, science wins, saves the day and explains it all. So could science explain your experience? <laughs> Well, if she had have been there on the night, I mean, that would be, that would be in some ways, that would be great. But um, I guess the long and the short answer is uh, no, mm -hmm. not, not necessarily. Was, but, you know, it's, yeah, it's... This was an encounter with a sort of a spiritual dimension that just sort of shattered your worldview in many ways. Mm. Yeah. So it stimulated curiosity. So what happened after that? It did. So I, I then thought, well, this is interesting. Maybe you can tap into this, this sense of another dimension um, in life. Maybe you can harness some of it. I mean, I, I think part of it was I was, like many teenagers, trying to find a sense of identity and something that would distinguish you, make you stand out from the rest. And you mentioned Harry Potter, you know, the premise is that, yeah, this person thought that they were just nobody and then they found out they're somebody. And I, and I think that... So you felt you needed to go to Hogwarts <laughs> <laughs> to study further? If it had been available at yeah. the time, I would have happily... Um, signed up and yeah. yeah so just started really reading a lot so I, I I'm certainly someone who doesn't just go oh yeah let's let's just do this half-heartedly I, I like to do things in a fairly sincere wholehearted way so I I just started practicing witchcraft really was the was the main sort of area that I became really interested in mm. and and just you know understanding how do you is there a possibility of harnessing this this sense of another realm and you know drawing in things and helping shape some some sorts of can I can I take control of my life maybe controls not the right word but you know can I can I willfully um, see things happen manipulate um, things in my so, so how did you harness it what did, what did that look like try to develop this sort of witchcraft sort of so I I didn't actually join a, a group um, mainly because I was sort of you know 15 14 to 16 you know lots of people around my age group were just well 
I would probably say were novices were sort of just it was just very oh yeah that I just sort of dabble in that whereas I was I was like a like a disciple like a devoted person to um, the craft and so there's lots of stuff you do you can you know you do rituals you um, you create an altar you you have a sense of you know being able to place yourself in this yeah, in this this posture where you're you're calling upon what you would probably call in this a spiritual realm and, and and inviting that or asking that to to help you with life situations or whatever it might be. I mean, I'm sure that you know, as a teenager, so lots of it was around boys or you know. <laughs> as well um so you know it may so, not have been life changing so this process for you was it a, a good force for you look initially I, I would say certainly it helped me to um I guess feel like I um I was someone who had ability who had a sense of connection I think mm-hmm. it, it gave me a sense of connection with some sort of okay well if this is what life's about and this is where you know that you can connect with another kind of dimension then you know that's fantastic yeah um but I guess over time because a lot of my questions and curiosities were over I just I I think equally because you have a couple of things happening and and again this is quite a long time ago but I just remember feeling quite um I, d- I didn't feel that good about myself equally, so I was looking for something that would give me a sense of grounding and identity and worth and, um, you know... I mean, I, w- I would use different wording, obviously, when I was a 15-year-old, it would have been different to that. But I just... I wrote a lot of poetry and lots of it was around, you know, feeling quite... You know, I don't. I just. I. I feel like maybe there's. I. I'm. I'm destined for something, but I don't really know what that is, and I'm not sure um, who I am. And hmm. so, in the end, the force, um, as as much as it was, it was great, and I. Um, you know, I, I was learning and growing and coming across some pretty amazing people. I. I think what I started noticing too was. I think there's a sense of control in it and I, I felt like some of the things were out of control mm. and I was, you know, it was it was bringing up for me some, I guess, more negative sort of personality things, you know, feeling frustrated or angry or, um, yeah, just, just it, it didn't seem to... It wasn't long-lasting either. Mm. I think that was the other thing. You'd, you'd do it and then it was great and then you'd be back. Right, yeah. You got involved with the New Age and sort of personal development programs. Mm. Now, as part of this, you went on a retreat with a spiritual guide. I did. Uh, What did you find on that retreat? (laughs) So this retreat was, the question was, who are you? Which was interesting looking back. And so the whole time that we're away, you would do group work, you would do, you know, one-on-one work, you'd be sent away. And Mm. secondly, I had this... And it was it definitely wasn't an audible voice, but I had this sense of, of of something speaking to me and saying that the answer to that question you're not going to find within yourself. And I think what you need to understand is that the whole premise of what I was exploring was that you have 
the answer within yourself, that you will find it, you will discover it if you kind of dig deep enough or, or really, I guess, help to unlock mm. the answer to that. So that kind of scared me too because mm. I was like, well, how does that work? Like, if I'm not sure myself, I've been told that I can discover the answer for myself, within myself, and then this voice is saying, you're not going to discover it that way. I was like, kind of how's that, that, that going to work? So about this time then, though, you had a friend at work who claimed to have a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Now, you were antagonistic to Christians in high school. I was. Um, so what was different with this woman? She just was a normal person. <laughs> Sounds so weird, but I'd had, I had built up and unfortunately I'd got across a number of Christians or followers of Jesus who were just weird. Uh, no offence, but they were just crazy. <laughs> like they just, either that or they'd make me feel, um, like I had a, a beautiful friend earlier on in high school who became a, a Christian but kind of joined in with a, a weird sort of cult and he he took it upon himself to kind of I think it was a project so that and that was quite annoying to me for starters I don't like being a project to anyone no. or for anyone but then one night he got kind of frustrated and said if you walk out the door tonight and get hit by a bus you're gonna go to hell and now this is the worst thing you can ever say to a, a, a disrespecting authority and rebellious spirit. I'm like, good, let's give it a go. Let's <laughs> the find it, you know. Let's, let's try this theory out. Yeah, so it was kind but of it But was, this, woman, this woman that you met, that was different. She was. And I think it was because she, um, you know, she genuinely just, I, I just felt like she was a friend to me. Mm-hmm. There wasn't an agenda. There wasn't a, I wasn't a project. Um, she she would share really vulnerably and openly about, you know, her life and but there was certainly something about her. I think what, what was quite fascinating to me was there was something that she had, and again, it's not necessarily, you know, you can't tangibly say, oh, that's exactly what it is, because I didn't know what that was. But she just had some sense of foundation or, or peace or something that was that was guiding her life that uh, I kept looking at and going gee you know I felt like I was tossed around by everything you know I'd be up and then I'd be really down and then I'd be all over the place doing retreats and that was great and then that would all kind of wear off and I'd come back to her and she's just kind of consistent <laughs> I was like what is this and she invited you to her wedding? She did. And what happened there? She did. So, well, I guess what I got challenged by by one particular person was they said to me one day, do you know anything about Jesus? And I said, yeah, I know stuff about Jesus because Jesus is in many of the books and the people that have been across in the course that I've gone to, he's held in high regard mm. as, a, as a, you know, great teacher, a enlightened one, whatever. So this person said, well, you know, maybe you need to actually read about him and see what this Jesus is like. And, and I think to my surprise, he was very different to what I'd, you know, these, these kind of um, ways in which he'd been framed. I was, the thing that I loved, I think initially was, he was such a radical. He was so rebellious. <laughs> I was like, oh, this person's great. He's, yeah. he's not tying the line. He's not, he doesn't sit in anyone's camp. You go, yeah, yeah, no, this is good. This is nice and comfortable. He'd challenge, he'd, but he was incredibly compassionate and, and 
and loving. And I think, again, they were kind of values I'd grown up with, mm. even from a, you know, secular family. But also just for me, ideals, it's like, you know, we should be helping to make the world better. We should be being um, people who are not just thinking about ourselves, but thinking about how, how it's going for others and what we could do to help. Mm. Well, and so then you decided to follow him yourself. I did. I mean, it took a while. I was, wow, I was probably one of the most interesting people to have in your small group. (laughs) (laughs) Today's big question is, is there a spiritual dimension? And one of the reasons people reject the Bible is because it contains supernatural elements. For example, the American Humanist website says, by claiming that supernatural beings intervene in the world, the Bible opposes the scientific principle of natural laws operating uniformly and unvaryingly. Indeed, the Gospel of Mark, one of the four biographies of Jesus' life that we have, tells a story of supernatural beings intervening in the world. Mark recounts a time when Jesus goes into the synagogue to teach, and then a man who is described as being possessed by an impure spirit cries out. Now, so, Julia, the book of Mark speaks about a spiritual dimension, evils and the like. Is what Mark describes consistent with your experience of witchcraft and the occult? Yes, and even, I mean, even in my experience of walking with Jesus, I've certainly, um, you know, encountered or engaged with um, a sense of, I don't even know how to frame it, but a sort of collision course between something something that is good and then something that is evil. There's certainly been that dimension. Mm. So this spiritual dimension that the Bible describes was real as far as your experience was concerned? Yes. Yeah. Um, Now, Mark writes that the people were all amazed when they heard Jesus engaging this spiritual dimension. They said, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. So what strikes you as you read about Jesus encountering this spiritual dimension? Mm. If the premise is that this is a God who wants the best and loves us and wants to free us and wants to heal us and liberate us, then... There's a sense in that story that, you know, that person had something that, was, that wasn't a helpful entity for him to have living in his life. And so when this spirit in him encountered God, there's again a clash of, you know, well, you, what are, you, are you coming to, um, to claim your authority and your position and uh, therefore the two of us can't exist mm. in the same space? So someone has um, to win. <laughs> yeah, but win, win in, a, in a, I think, again, that's the thing that I would love to get across is that this is out of love. This is that God wants the best for us. So it's not driving something out just to say, hey, I'm more powerful and I can do whatever I want. It's mm. getting rid of something that's going to um, stop you from being all you were created to mm. be. But also, well, he does have power. He does. To drive out this, this thing. Well, Jesus does seem to be in charge of this spiritual dimension as well. Yes. Doesn't it? it seems to be this is one of the things that the, the scriptures seem to be saying here, uh, particularly where the people recognize he even gives orders to the impure spirits and they obey him. So I mean, that, how does that strike you when, you when you read that, particularly with your experience in the, the occult and dealing with this spiritual dimension? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, they're not all on an equal playing field. So, you know, at the end of the day, God is either God and, uh, and has a, a sense of, of authority and um, sovereignty, whatever words you want to use. And that's what those people were seeing that, well, I mean, he goes on to, to say things about himself, but this is a person who stands in authority. Mm. And, uh, and that spirit knew it. That's yeah. the interesting thing about what the spirit says too mm. about Jesus. 
Yes, that's right. <laughs> so, Julia, is there a spiritual dimension? Yes. I would say the long and the short is yes. Let me leave you with the Bible's answer to the big question, is there a spiritual dimension from Mark 1:27. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to the impure spirits and they obey him. I look forward to you joining us next time for bigger questions. Please thank our guest today, Julia Pope.